Hello, 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 beautiful people, and welcome to 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah! Me, Tolly. And me, Gina. Um, as you can tell, we are very excited and very excitable this week. Why is that? I have no idea, actually. The, the energy just, it was lifting and lifting and lifting. Do you know what it is? I think I'm trying to be the exact opposite of what we're talking about this week, which is the dead. Yeah. So I feel like if I, like, put some life into this episode and, like, come here with, like, vim, mm-hmm. we can really feel energetic and alive and all things like that. So um, this week we have been watching Army of the Dead. Indeed, we have. Along with everybody else in the world, in the UK. Yeah. And Army of the Dead, you know me, guys, I'm not the best at describing things, but I'm going to give it a go. Please give it a go. <laughs> <Please feel laughs> a go. All right, so Army of the Dead is a zombie heist movie directed by Zack Snyder. So if you don't know who Zack Snyder is, think Justice League, think Suicide Squad, think Man of Steel. And it's an original film starring Dave Bautista, who is a mercenary hired by a casino owner to grab 200 million from his casino in Las Vegas. But the catch is that the casino has been quarantined and locked down due to a zombie invasion. Do you know what? If that was going to happen anywhere, it would happen in Vegas. Oh yeah, 100%. Like that is a city of sin. Like, of course the dead are going to reign in Vegas. Like where else will they be? Also stars, if you guys watch another show on Netflix, Power. um, Yes. James St. Patrick. And it's so out of order that I can't call him anything else but James St. Patrick. So when he turns I was going to say, isn't his name Amari Hardwick? Yeah, that is his name. (laughs) (laughs) But his title is James St. Patrick. So when I saw him in it, I was like, oh, look at James. Yeah. Look at ghosts. Look at ghosts. Hey. That for him. See, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. Ghosts, zombies, the dead. Oh my gosh, this is seamless, guys. This is so, so good. Do you watch any zombie films or have you watched any zombie films? My truth is, Talani, as you know, I'm a massive chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, And. If I had to choose a favourite zombie film, it would be Shaun of the Dead, just yep. because it mixes comedy with something that is petrifying. Because the idea, whilst I, look, I, I love talking about death and all that other stuff, but there's nothing, I don't like talking about the idea of people rising from the dead. That's terrifying to me. That is yeah. petrifying. Like it's rest in peace for a reason. Rest, bruv. <laughs> Do you not rest peacefully, like, rest please. Rest peacefully and stay down. I too am not well versed with zombie films. I was convinced Attack the Block was a zombie film, but apparently it's a sci-fi film. So that shows the world <laughs> I am in. <laughs> But yeah, like I like things that are living. And yeah. you know what it is? I think for the longest time, I th- maybe that's what actually made Army of the Dead interesting to me because rather than like, oh, go into the zombie land and finish this task and get money. Whereas normally it's that like, oh, the zombies have come and we're all dead. Mm-hmm. This feels mm-hmm. like a different angle to the whole angle of like zombie films and they're like, you know, the dead. And these are like people going to go fight the dead and kill them, kill them. The special effects in it, it's, it's insane. Like mm-hmm. there's literally times you're watching it where you jump because it feels so real. I think the first five minutes tells you exactly what you're in for. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's, it's one of the best probably intros to a film. It's, yeah. it's very, very captivating. It was also really scary. I, yeah. I, get, I, was str- I think I paused it three times because I was actually stressed. I was shouting. So the first thing when, like, the first one I was trying to, not realising he's trying to kill a zombie and he's shooting it, shooting it. And it's something I was like, kill him, kill him! Because, mm. like, I was like, why is he not dying sort of thing? And then the fear of them grabbing, and you know, all zombie films have that thing where they grab you and you know, yeah. you know they're about to yam your neck and you're they know done. It's fi- you know it's finished. You, Once you're, they you're, yam your curtains. neck. It's curtains. It's curtains. 
you know what maybe yeah i'm not even gonna allow people to like lips my neck anymore you know maybe it's linked <laughs> like maybe that's how men like zombie attack you and they like suck on your neck and then they take all of the common sense out of you and that is the yes. real zombie so the people that person who is not in this relationship is a zombie that's a film that's actually a really good film i'm just saying netflix if you're listening the moral of the story is zombies come from the patriarchy <laughs> You ready to play? There's two hundred million dollars in the vault beneath the strip. With a thirty-two hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. I'm so excited about our next guest. I'm really into it when we get people that actually work on the films, like outside of the actresses, the directors, the producers, and all those kind of people. These are the people that actually make the magic that we get to see on screen. Carrying it on their backs. Exactly. And if we're going to do anything on this podcast, we are going to sing for the unsung heroes. Indeed. So, Gina, please take it away and introduce the hero that we have on this episode, please. Today, we have Justin Raleigh an Emmy-winning makeup artist and has worked on some seriously big blockbusters. So we're talking Aquaman, Westworld, American Horror Story, Stranger Things, and most recently released film on Netflix by Zack Snyder, Army of the Dead. And as part of Fractured FX, he offers SFX makeup, medical effects, fake bodies, and animatronics. I hope I haven't messed up any of your bio there, Justin. Justin, say hi, how are you? Hello, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And no, that was fantastic. Great. Amazing. Good. You are, you're not a small boy in this thing. You've done loads of like you. Yeah. <laughs> you are great at what you do. You've won awards for it. You've done amazing shows. Before film, sorry, before we actually start, what does SFX stand for? I mean, I know. There's two different types here. There's traditional SPFX refers to like practical effects, like fires, explosions, pyro, that type of work, where mm-hmm. SPFX makeup Special effects makeup specifically refers to prosthetic creature creation, things like that. Okay, so what got you into that? What made you decide that, you know what, I'm really into making people looking effed up. Yeah. But in a good way. (laughs) Why did you want to do that? I mean, look, I was always really interested in sci-fi and horror and all those kind of movies when I was a kid. Once I realized that this was actually a career path and that you could have this ability to transform people from old to young to making them look like somebody else to some crazy creature. There was something really artistically inspiring about that. And there was a huge, you know, scientific process with all of it as well. You're really sort of a bit of a mad scientist and there's a lot of technique and and technicality to everything that we have to do. So all of that for me really intrigued me. I was always into science. I was always into chemistry. I was always into art and it just really fit seamlessly together. And now I've been doing this pushing 26 years. So it's been pretty much my entire life that I've, I've been involved in this career. What's been the most amazing thing you think you've created in the 26 years you've been doing this? Uh, I mean, 
I've had some amazing challenges thrown at me. I, I would say one of the hardest challenges, both technically and just the sheer scale. Tron Legacy was one of the hardest shows I've ever done. We built 114 fully practical illuminated suits that actually had screen printed lights that went inside them with custom inverters and batteries. And, uh, and it was just a, like tech wise, it was such a challenge to try and figure out how to do it in the short period of time that we had. And it was nearly one of the shows that really broke me. So looking back, <laughs> now, I have a love for it just because, you know, we really did some new advancements in the industry. And so I look at that and, and I go like, all right, that was one of my biggest ones. The other one that I had, which was really great, was The Nick, which was a Clive Owen series directed by Steven Soderbergh on um, Cinemax. And I don't know how it came over there in the UK, but wonderful series. We did uh, a lot of recreations of medical effects from the turn of the century, early 1900s medical. And that actually brought us to the Boston Children's Hospital, where we actually worked with neurosurgeons because of the level of quality and fidelity of our work. They invited us to come in and work with them to help develop brain surgery training models, not for students, but for actual surgeons. And that was really a hallmark and a wonderful spot in, in my career where it's like I took something that is, you know, silly stuff that we do for the movies. And I was able to translate that into something real that was actually helping save lives, which was an amazing experience. I feel like the title Makeup Artist doesn't make it feel as big and obviously makeup artists are doing an amazing job but they were so you're literally you create yeah. part of the character as from well. scratch yeah, yeah that's what it is definitely yeah i mean typically i i'm usually listed as like a prosthetic makeup designer or specialty character designer something like that which i think mm. covers a little bit more of what we're doing because you're right what we are doing is the the term makeup artist or even special makeup effects artist is is very broad you know, yes. and really a lot of what I'm doing for a lot of these shows is, is coming up with a character and trying to design a character, which I always think, you know, character designer or something like that is a little more fitting to what we do. I'm glad that you brought up designing a character and making it look original, etc. because I wanted to speak specifically about Army of the Dead. I would love to understand the process as to how you bring the those people to life, because there are loads of different sort of recreations and iterations of what zombies look like but these specifically terrified me i haven't seen oh, every e like it was literally petrifying i thought that the queen character so petrifying so did somebody give you a brief and say like we want it to look kind of like this can you just go ahead or did they just say do you know what you're a top person in this business you've been doing it 26 years go wild how did that come about i've worked with zach for almost 15 years now i started i think my first movie with zach snyder was watchmen and we have a good rapport and obviously I've designed a lot of different characters for him over the years. So when he had this idea about creating the alphas specifically, like we knew where we wanted to go with the shamblers, you know, our more traditional zombies, you know, we, we wanted to pay homage to the past and what everyone is sort of familiar with. We didn't really want to change that up too much. You know, it works. And I think it fit the overall tone of the film of having them be slow, kind of sad, pathetic sort of characters versus mm. these alphas, which are polar opposites. He wanted something that was hyper aware, um, had, you know, an extreme metabolism. So they just looked very sinewy and very thin and very mm. emaciated, but not looking weak. He wanted them to look very powerful. Yeah. And we also wanted to create a bit of a visual progression between Zeus, our, our you know, our king, if you will, the, the, the creator of all the alphas, to what the other stages would be. You know, the queen was sort of next in line. She was sort of the closest to him. Maybe she got more of that essence. And mm -hmm. then you start to see the other ones, 
that are maybe a lesser version of the alphas, but they're still incredibly scary and incredibly powerful. But with Zeus, what we wanted to do based on Zach's notes is we wanted something, like I said, that looked muscular, looked powerful, but also felt very translucent. You know, Mm. it had a bit of depth to its skin. You could kind of see the bruising and undertones deep within his body. And you don't get a lot of that. A lot of the zombies that you've seen, they typically look very matte and gray and kind of mummified looking, which we have, we have with our shamblers. But with these, we wanted them to have an extreme level of depth. We even looked at like translucent shrimp and other translucent aquatic sort of elements. And Hmm. really what I did is I took all of Zach's ideas and all of his notes of what he wanted tone wise. And then we started a big conceptual design phase, you know, and from there we, you know, spent several weeks going back and forth with what Zeus would look like. Zeus was our key. And then we started to design the rest based off of him. Do you know what? It's insane how terrifying it is. Like, I um, tend to watch films, like, scare the shit out of me during the day. But even with watching this on a, like, I think it was a Sunday daytime. I had curtains open, so it felt like, you know, it's fine, you're fine. No zombie's going to come at you. It still scared me so, like, so much. And it's the, it's, uh, it's the effects, it's the... And it's the way, I guess, the actors physically move as well. And I think like this, that's a big thing about like zombie films, the, the movement in zombies. So how can like outside of the makeup with actors, how can you get them to like embody like zombiesqueness? Well, a lot of a lot of that <laughs> movement came from Damon Caro, who's the stunt coordinator, and, and him sitting with Richard and Athena, who played the king and queen within it. And they had ideas, of course. Uh, Zach had a lot of ideas, of course, how we wanted them to move differently from our traditional zombie shamblers. Mm-hmm. They, they basically had a, a, an R&D period, if you will, just researching how, how should the alphas move. He knew that he wanted this parkour, really fast-paced, really sort of extreme action. You know, So he hired a lot of amazing performers and stunt people that are parkour experts, you know, free runners. So they have this ability to do these insane kind of flips and crazy movement and jump over things and, you know, land seamlessly. And then how do you convert that into this really creepy presence, which I think Athena just nailed with the queen. She, her movement mm. is very animalistic, yet still very aware of her surroundings. And I just, she felt so feral and aggressive to me where like Zeus feels completely aware of what's going on and completely aware of himself and just has you can see a different level of in, intelligence with him and i feel like they all really did a fantastic job of kind of creating those tiers within the alpha world of you know these are more just soldiers versus you know someone that's hyper aware and attuned with what it really is mm. okay so if anyone's going to know this it will be you justin where do zombie movies come from what like why is it such a big phenomenon why are we obsessed with the idea of like us turning into zombies. Who started this? I mean, George Romero is kind of the first originator of the zombie franchise, if you will, by his Night of the Living Dead in the 1960s. And, you know, it was basically like a student film, you know, very low budget, but it just scared the living crap out of people. And (laughs) from there, it's just carried into this amazing genre. But I think he got a lot of it, you know, looking at like a lot of different, you know, religions that talk about, you know, there's a lot of... uh, you know, uh, sort of Santa Muerta and different religions that talk about turning people into zombies. And I think he just took that idea and converted it into, hey, your cemetery is now just filled with living things that are coming after you to kill you. 
And it just turned into this mega genre that we all love and adore for better or for worse, you know, and and scares us. And yes. scares, yeah, there's something yeah. truly horrifying about you know, grandpa coming up from the grave and coming to eat you. Yeah, Justin, yeah. you don't need to, yeah, you do need to take it there because now I've got visions of my grandpa. My grandpa's a love was a lovely man. I didn't I didn't need to think that. Thank yeah. you. But that, I think that's <laughs> why we it's you know it strikes a chord emotionally with all of us because it could be someone that we love. And that's always sort of a theme with within the zombie movies as well. Yeah. yeah. You've been involved in lots of huge titles as we mentioned when we were reading your bio do you have a specific favorite genre when it comes to this kind of stuff you mentioned that you loved horror and that's part of the reason why you got into the job but do you prefer sort of the the brash stuff like army of the dead or more like creepy subtle stuff like american horror story like where do you sort of lie in terms of that spectrum i mean that's a hard question because i think i have a love for it all. And, and for me, it's about the challenge, you know, depending on what the project is. As long as I feel like I'm being challenged and I can challenge my team with an idea and, and we can deliver on that, that inspires me. Getting an opportunity to actually be able to come up with something new and kind of push the envelope a little bit, you know, that that is always enticing to me as well. But I, I think some of the things that it look, I love making, you know, big creature movies and I've done a ton of them, done a lot of like superheroes, especially costume kind of suits. And, you know, we've had a very diverse, you know, range of work that we've had over the years and over my career. I think the ones that I still love the most, which are the ones that are the, maybe it's because of the most rare, are projects where I get to turn someone into someone else. Like I need to make uh, someone look like someone else, you know, that type of stuff or, or a really beautiful old age makeup. It's like that to me is the most challenging because everyone has seen an old person. Everyone can look at a photo and recognize that is, you know, whoever you're supposed to be matching. So that is an extreme challenge because there's no, there's no room for error, you know, with, with a creature or something like that, you have the benefit of the doubt and, you know, you have people's own vision and fantasy in their own head to be able to kind of take it wherever you want, where something like that, you have to be precise. You have to be spot on. I would love to get makeup done to see what I'd look like in, in like loads of years time, just so I'm ready. Yeah. I just, <laughs> just so I can be like, okay, cool. This is the worst it can get. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I just want to know what it, I would look like. I've had actresses that we've put, or even men as well, that we've put in old age makeup on and, you know, they, they have a moment of just sort of sadness where they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> or like, oh my God, I look like my grandpa or I look like, you know, I look like my dad or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and there's always that moment of sort of sort of shock and fear, I guess. And then they sort of accept mm-hmm. it and go, you know what? I look pretty good. I like it. So just it takes that moment to get over that initial shock, I think. I'd want to know so I can start seeing how much like do I need to stop drinking now? Should I start using anti-wrinkle cream now? Do you know, like things like that just sound prepared. That's what I'd want to know. Definitely. I, I would, definitely. Night cream is always good. You know, look, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to keep Drinking my beauty as well. So. Yeah, I've got actually quite a random question that's just come to me. You know, when you make all of these different things, like what does your house look like? Do you just have loads of different things that you've made over the years that are just sitting like little heads? I would have, I would take something with me every set that I went to. Absolutely not. I I have this stuff home. So it's interesting. You go to my house and I I have hardly anything from the film industry in my home you know i have a lot of other hobbies so like i play music i'm into martial arts i have a lot of other things i do so those are more part of my life when i go home and this i separate as part of my business 
because mm -hmm. otherwise this industry is just so all consuming that if mm -hmm. I also make it part of my personal life at home, it's like I never get a chance to get away from it. So for me, that's how it's worked psychologically for me. I have to have a point of separation and allow my other hobbies to to take a precedent when I get home. So, so you mean to tell me you have healthy boundaries? I cannot believe well, it. It's well something that I wish that I had. That's amazing. It's taken many years to get there, but yes, I do. I've had to create some boundaries because this, look, you know, I, when I'm working on set, it's easily a 16 to 18 hour day in a lot of cases. It can be six days a week. I'm on shows, multiple shows at a time. So it can become really daunting just to sort of manage any of your personal life in the first place. So if I also had this at home and it was just there in front of me all the time, I, I would never have like a normal life. So I have to I have to have a separation somewhere. Also a bit random, did these characters that you create turn up in your dreams? Because I know they'll turn up in my dreams. I used to work at the bank and I used to count money. I used to always see money in my sleep. So you must see zombies all the time. It's surprisingly, I do not. I think when I'm at work, I exhaust all that stuff visually and I can spit it out with designs or I can kind of art direct my team and I get all of that stuff out. I may sit home and I'm constantly thinking about problem solving, but usually when I sleep, I don't remember a lot. So if I am, <laughs> I don't remember them. It's probably for good reason. So... <laughs> You mentioned that you'd worked with Zack Snyder um, a couple of times before. So what was it like working with him in Army of the Dead? How was that process like? How, how was that working relationship? Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, it, working with Zack is one of the nicest guys you, anyone could ever work with. And he treats his crew so well. And he's really one of the directors that he'll hire someone like myself or anyone on his team, all of his department heads. They're all extremely qualified people. He has a history with most of them. So there's already you know, just a dialogue that, that exists. So it makes it that much easier to be able to translate his thoughts into reality. But he also, you know, he doesn't completely micromanage people either. He really does allow people to take their own twists and, and kind of present their own ideas to him. And he's very collaborative in that sense, which is amazing, which, you know, I think a lot of directors miss that sometimes. I, I get everyone has a different way of working, but Zach is just it's constant collaboration and it's always trying to find the best way to make it look the best and make it as functional as possible for the filmmakers and producers as well. This one was a little different because he also ran the camera on this one as well. So he had a lot of duties between director, co-writer, you know, and also running the camera and producer. I mean, he definitely wore a lot of hats. So it was different for him, but I think for him, it was also he had a lot more intimacy and kind of control of the shots because he was the one right behind the camera and he could just talk directly with the performers and actors and, and just get the performance he wanted. Very different because, you know, coming from his DC background and a lot of those other big films that he'd been working on re recently, I think this helped get him back to his roots a little bit more, which was nice to see. You mentioned that the um, design process took several weeks. What is it like going from that initial conception of the idea to seeing it in real life? Is it weird for you? Is it a moment that never gets old for you? Like, what is that experience like? It's definitely a moment that never gets old because really the design just gives us a bit of a blueprint and the rest of it comes from when we actually get the actor, we get a, a scan or a, we take an impression of their head with silicone and we create a form of them, we start sculpting it and the design continues to evolve through the whole build process of it. And that build process, you know, I think Zeus was about 14 weeks from design to actually create the final look before we could actually test it on camera. 
And he wore 22 different prosthetic pieces to cover his whole upper body with silicone pieces. So it was, it was a, a very large task because every single day, that's a new set of prosthetics as well. None of it is reusable. It has these beautiful little subtle edges that have to blend into the skin or to the piece underneath it. And when you take that off, it all gets destroyed by the adhesive removers. So once you take it apart, it goes in the trash and then you get a whole new piece for the next day. So if you shot 60 days, that's 60 sets of appliances plus backups times 22 pieces. So it, you can imagine how many prosthetics just for him was required. Okay, so imagine the situation. You, me and Gina are in our own zombie film where we haunt all of our exes and our zombie-like features. What's the process? How, what do you see in our faces that thinks, oh, that specific part of your, your face will look scary in a zombie-type character? What is your process to making us into zombies? But, I mean, typically for me, it's looking at medical research. So I actually look at the process of decomposition of a body and then oh. translate that onto you. So what I would do is like, how, how dead are you? So that would, it's, it's been about five years. I mean, if, I think for something like that, we would basically mummify you to a certain degree. You would have prosthetics that would cover the majority of your face to hollow out your eye sockets, give you a nice leathery sort of texture. We would probably do a neck piece that carries that down into your face. And then I think for effect, this is where we would have maybe a visual effects sort of hybrid where we would have areas of your face that we, or part of your body that we would paint away digitally. So we could actually erode your form further down, which we couldn't do prosthetically, which is an additive process. You know, this is where digital comes in. We can now take away parts of your body. How do you feel about digital and CGI? Does that like annoy you? Is you think it's an addition to what you do or does it take away from what you do? Yeah, I think there was a big phase, you know, maybe 15 years ago or so where a lot of people were very scared that CGI was going to take away what we do. And, yeah. and there was a period where that did start to happen. I think, you know, everyone got on the bandwagon and it was just, you know, the new toy that everyone wanted to play with. But what they realized, not to knock anything with visual effects, what they realized is it kind of still misses a little of that just personal connection of having someone right there in front of you. If you have someone in makeup or you just you have something that's relatable, I think the actors get a better performance. And ultimately, the technology in our industry has improved as well. So what we can create now is very different than what we were able to do in the 90s and 80s. You know, yeah. we have something that can look hyper realistic. So we're, I think it's kind of come full circle again, where now everyone is back on the bandwagon of like, let's get as much in camera as possible. The prosthetic work is beautiful. We know it takes time up front. You know, people are starting to relearn that, you know, if we're going to do this, we need to give the prosthetics team a lot of upfront time before we go to camera. So we get the best quality, just like they would leave time in post for visual effects to do it all at the end. I've always accepted visual effects because I know that it can only benefit each other. You know, if mm -hmm. I give something that is, let's call it 80 to 95% something that works perfectly in camera, and then you just give it a 10, 15% kiss of visual effects to kind of push it outside of what we can do physically, it takes it to a new level. And then, you know, why not embrace technology and kind of combine the two together? So in a lot of cases, I design specifically with that in mind that, you know, look, we can't do this and this, but visual effects can. So why don't we incorporate it now? Let's figure out what the process is and let's come together as a team and, and design this in the best way possible for the production to get what they need. 
so fascinating. It is fascinating. I had no idea. I mean, you can tell that mountain of work goes into this, but I had no idea. I'm really shocked about every day having to be a, I know. a new set of facet that is Okay, here's my question for you, Justin. Obviously, you're not the person who's in the the makeup, but how do actors have the endurance to keep themselves entertained and be, I don't know, patient when they have makeup on and the same makeup on every day for like eight to 12 to 10 to 12 hours a day? Like, surely, isn't it hot? Oh, yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> it can definitely get hot, especially, look, we shot a lot of this in New Mexico during the summer in monsoon, mm. like the worst possible conditions for prosthetics. It was a nightmare. That was the hardest, t- besides the sheer numbers of bodies that we had to put in makeup, you know, up to 150 people a day. Most of them were stunt performers, so they have a high level of patience to begin with, and they've, they've gone through the process multiple times. But it is, it is definitely... For someone that's new to it, there is a psychological aspect that they have to get over um, mm. and understand that basically the moment you sit in the chair, you are somebody else's canvas and you just have to sort of relax and let it happen. And, you know, we'll let movies or music or, you know, whatever for that person to kind of have some entertainment while they're sitting there for a couple hours. Then eventually they get used to it and we find a rhythm. But, you know, it's that first, if you've never done it before, it's really jarring because I think a lot of actors and a lot of people in general are one, it's so intimate and so right in your face that that Mm. is a big hurdle to get over mentally as well. But I think once they get into it and they start seeing the process and they understand the process better then they start getting accustomed to it, you know, definitely. I think the reason why I thought it was reusable was because of Mrs. Doubtfire. Like she'd, she would just keep putting it on. She'll take it off and put it on, take it off and put it on. So I was like, oh, that must be how. Wasn't that fake? That's called movie magic. (laughs) Don't ruin things, guys. No, no, I mean, even with that, every single day, that's a new set of prosthetics. So so with this, imagine how many zombies we have in the show. You were talking about thousands of prosthetic pieces that had to be created for the show. Thousands. You know, I had a team of 60, almost 70 people working in my studio at Fracture oh, wow. in Los Angeles, just sculpting, molding, and generating all those pieces, pre-painting it all, putting it on shipping forms, getting it shipped out as a product, basically. And then I had 40 to 50 makeup artists, average of about 40 makeup artists on set that would apply all those prosthetics, you know, every day. So it was, it was a a huge group of people to put this show together. Wow. You guys really are the heroes then. (laughs) Yeah. No, you really are. You really, really are. Every department on this show had a daunting task. You know, it was, it's just... It's look. It's a big budget movie. It's a, it's one of the biggest for Netflix, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Zach had an epically large vision, so we all had to make compromises to make this work within budgetary constraints. You know, it's not like we had frivolous money to do it. So every department, from art department to stunts to everyone, we all really had to make compromises and just be really, really smart about how we handled this stuff to be able to get Zach what he he needed. Do you know what? I was watching it and I was like, this would look amazing in the cinema, especially from the opening credits where they were like, literally the body was just like spattering into blood. And I was like, imagine that on a widescreen TV yeah, in the cinema. That a, would be insane. There's a scene that the blood goes on the camera like you're in a video yeah, game. I, I, I literally jumped when it happened. I was like, oh, so <laughs> that's what freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. You know, It does feel very video game you're very right, Gina, It actually. does, it does. Yeah. And do you know what as well, T? I was just thinking this, Ari getting the makeup on yourself to become old. Yeah. I was just wondering, like, imagine if you get turned to vampire. That would be really petrifying. Like, all, all fun and games for us to talk about, but that would be scary to see yourself look completely different. Like, I think I would have an identity crisis. 
Think about it. Think about it. You you get made up by Justin to look dead. Is that yeah, not yeah, terrifying? No, it would, that would freak me out. Realizing that it's actually probably a lot of fun. You'd probably go through it and be weird at first. And you go like, you know what? I can kind of, I'm not me anymore. I can do something else. And That's I think a lot, of people, yeah. a lot of people have fun with that aspect and they get a little playful with it. So which is great that's what it would be it will you get to be someone else because even when you're being naughty or you've been ridiculous you're still in your own body but to actually have the experience of being outside of your body and then get to be a top dick i would do it oh my god i'd facetime everybody i'd be a nuisance i would be such a nuisance i'd love it yeah yeah it's it's definitely a lot of fun and a lot of people have a blast doing it definitely okay so we kind of need to know about your favorite zombie film of all time like you are a genius at this this is your field what's your fave what would you recommend you know i i think everyone needs to go back and look at the original night of the living dead the like the source material if you will um you know for me uh there was a remake of it that tom savini who was a makeup effects designer himself did in the 90s and it's it's incredibly good it's maybe it's 92 or four or something like that i can't remember the year but that is a really good version of the genre i would say one of my favorites i think there's really creepy zombies as well you know and just for fun i think these two fall into the same spot for me i love Shaun of the dead and i also love yeah Zombieland. <laughs> i think both of those are just wonderful films so you know yeah little diverse spectrum but you know i think i like the fact that zach added a good amount of humor and he did that with his dawn of the dead as well which i think mm-hmm. works really well within this genre you know like everyone's seen a zombie movie you need to be a little tongue-in-cheek sometimes and you know yeah and just yeah. make fun of it too. Like everyone knows what it is. Let's make fun of it a little bit and have fun. And speaking of getting your recommendations or of your favorite things, we always ask our guests to recommend us something to watch on Netflix. I think one of my favorite shows is Ozark. I'm really waiting for mm, the next season to come out. That's that's one uh, that's one of the best shows I think on television right now. So that that's one I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, we have another project that's coming out next month. Just to plug it, we have Sweet Tooth that's coming out next month. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about it. We Where are we talking about that? <laughs> I, I think that is going to be really beautiful to watch as well. So I think it's like Netflix has some incredible content right now, and it just keeps coming. So it's it's. I'm hooked on what they have out there right now. We agree with Justin because we all want to keep our jobs. Yeah, I was like, you're doing our job for us, Justin, mate. What a great plug. Love it, love it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Justin. It's lovely talking to you. No problem. Thank you. They're not what you think they are. They're smarter. They're faster. They're organized. Oh, Scheiße. I really, really want us to meet up with Justin again and get our um, SFX makeup done. I think that'd be really fun. Oh my God, I can't believe how fascinating that is. Yeah. I mean, he promised that whenever he was in town next, that was going to happen. So I'm going to make him stick to his word and make that happen because I need to see myself as either a zombie or an old person. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. Something's yeah. got to give. Okay, so what are your 10 10 would recommend this week, Gina? Oh, okay. I have two. My first is, and I'm hesitant to recommend this to you, T, because I know you do not like animated things whatsoever. It's just childish. The, okay, well. I'm an adult. Yeah, right, fair. But all right, for the other people that don't mind it, because okay. we're going to let people enjoy things, and I know that's one of your many, many phrases. Yes. Is the Mitchells and the Machine. <laughs> 
The last humans must be here somewhere. Wait. They're coming. Is that a burnt orange 1993 station wagon? Or is it? Ah! Who are these unstoppable warriors? We're the Mitchells, the only people who can save the world. I'm super sorry, everyone. I don't know if you've seen people talking about it online. A lot of people are watching it. And so I'm going to recommend it today because I gave it a watch recently and I really, really enjoyed it. And the premise is essentially, it takes the idea of the fact that we're always on our phones. We're always, we always want our Wi-Fi. We always want that. And those machines that we rely on to do our tasks, like our yeah. phones, our laptops, blah, blah, turn against all the humans. And do you know what? It's hilarious. The script is hilarious. It stars Abby Jacobson, who's in Broad City. It's got Olivia Coleman in as like the evil head tech person who's in oh. the screen. It's it's really, really good. I really, really enjoyed it. So if anybody likes the premise, loves those actors, you should definitely give it a try. Ignore the fact that it's animated. It might put you off for a bit, but stick with it. The script is really funny and you'll really enjoy it. But my second recommendation, and I'm so excited because it's out now, is Master of None Season 3. Okay. Hypothetical for you. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Let's say we're at a party. Maxwell's playing. Love him. You don't know me. I don't know you. And I ask you out on a date. Would you say yes? Yeah. I said yes, then I say yes now. I have literally been bagging on about this for weeks. I literally, I'm so excited. And now the third season of Master of None is out. If you haven't seen the first two seasons, yes, you can go back and watch it, but you don't have to have watched it to appreciate how well done this season is. We're hoping to speak to Naomi Aki about it. I honestly think she deserves an award. Yeah. She deserves an award for that performance. It's phenomenal. And all I can say, I don't want to spoil anything, is that it's about a couple and their relationship. That's enough to sell it to you, T, because I know you like that kind of stuff. Am I going to cry? 100%. Oh, I've, I've scheduled in a cry, actually, so I might, I might watch your... Yeah, I think I think you should. Yeah, I schedule in cries. Don't look at well, me like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I did at first, was like, did I hear that correctly? But, you know, I'm the opposite, because I don't cry. So you don't schedule in a cry? Why would I schedule in? The thing is, because sometimes the emotions come, and I was like, save it for later, like you've got things to do. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, oh, Sunday, 2pm. <laughs> Sunday, 2pm. <laughs> That's a good slot. You can cry then. Yeah, but does it come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine won't come out. Yeah. Now it's okay. Now we're ready. And then it's like... <laughs> I have to be pushed to tears. I know. Yeah, I know. The, tear, the tears push me. Again, <laughs> again, this is something I'll just take up with a therapist, not something that I'll do yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, okay, and what about sort you? What are your recommendations, T? This week, season two of Special is out. Did you ever watch yes, Special? Yes! Lo- oh, I haven't seen season two! <laughs> What are you working on? I'm actually kind of having a writer's block moment right now. I guess it's just true what they say. You know, it's harder to create when you're happy. You're not happy. It's been two months since you spoke to your mother. How do you know? Samantha told me. You don't see me, but I see you. I felt like I was really annoyed that 
there wasn't enough noise made about season two B mm. now. I just kind of like went on my thing and it was like, oh, new episodes. I was like, well, you didn't tell us about special it. Special was great. How, how, how are we meant to know? And so if you've never seen Special, actually go back and watch it from the first season. It's amazing. It's about a gay man who's got cerebral palsy mm. and basically he's actually had to identify with his cerebral palsy his old life, but he decides that, no, he's going to just start a new identity, start a new mm. life where he tells people that he's been in a car accident. He actually doesn't have cerebral palsy and he's just like this because he's been in a car accident. I think what I love the most about it is his relationship with his mum. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And what that is for a mother to look after a child yeah. who's got special needs and their relationship is very interesting. And also his like coming out story and like having relationships. I've watched all of season two. It's William. Yeah. Oh, that's a really, really, really good, good recommendation. I love yeah, that show. Really, really enjoying it. 10 10 would recommend for sure. Wow. We did really well on the recommendations this week, I'd say. I know. <laughs> and they're so broad and wide. Like, come on us. Yeah. I know we didn't make the show, but we're watching it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're doing, we're doing the work, you know, we're watching it. Go us. Yeah, that was really great. I'm sad that this episode has to come to an end because I really enjoyed it. I know. Yeah, I'll see you but, next week. Um, <laughs> Such is life. Yeah, you will see me next week. We'll be back here recommending more shows for you, talking to more special guests and apparently finding out more things that I never knew were about. Indeed. So it's educational, it's entertaining, and it includes me and Gina. What more could you want? want? Please be sure to come back next week and use the hashtag 1010WouldRecommend on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I am Tolly underscore T. Gina, what are you? I am at Smile Gina. That's G-E-N-A. And where can they find Netflix? We'll tell you what, babes. If you want to find Netflix, by now you should know. But it's at Netflix UK on Twitter, Instagram, and just type in Netflix UK on YouTube. You can find all of the great stuff and behind the scenes interviews and talent stuff on there too. Very exciting. So yeah, join in the conversation. You guys should recommend some stuff as well on 1010 would recommend. I have been Tolly T. Gina has been Gina. We are out. <laughs> See you next week. Goodbye. Stay alive and don't be zombies. Ha, 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 ha.